When life throws you a curveball, how are you going to handle adversity? Welcome to the Fearless Mindset Podcast, where you're about to go on a journey as I interview security, business, and entertainment leaders on what it takes to stay fearless. I'm your host, Mark Ludlow, and enjoy today's episode. Wow, that's crazy. They're changing their tactics and their systems on how they're going to make money. Yeah, there's, there's no the money. We used to be in marijuana, no more on marijuana. Used to be in cocaine. Now they're in fentanyl. So now there's human trafficking. After it's out of freedom movie released, now we're now human trafficking is one of the big big money makers. Big money makers is because because of immigration. As I said, immigrants are are uh, defenseless. Are yeah. defenseless in, and I'm not going to tell you stories here, but I've heard okay, yeah, horrible stories of what happens to. To immigrants when they when when they organize crimes in those communities, you know they know they're crossing and they force them to do uh, horrible things just to just to be alive, not to let them go, just to be alive. So it's it's it's, it's horrible what they go through. I'm really uh, I'm I'm not saying that every every one of those immigrants is a good person or a bad person, but I don't think any human being deserves that because uh, sure. I, I still believe that they look for. They are forced to leave their countries because of, you know, condition, economic conditions or, or, or security conditions like in, in Nicaragua or Honduras or El Salvador. Salvador is having a, a, a very tough, very tough policy on security with President Bukele. Um, human rights organizations complain a lot. The way I see it is that that guy is bringing a lot of investment because of what he did. I don't know. It's questionable. It's questionable. It's questionable who's, who's violating human rights of whom, you know, uh, organized crime violates your human rights because they don't yeah. live in peace. But then uh, all of a sudden we have to be merciful. We have to have mercy of those, uh, of those, uh, you know, assassins, killers, you know, it's, 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 it's human nature is, is, is tough and unfair and unfair. But we, as I said, we, we have to do once we know what what once we know what we must do, we do what we can do. Right. And sometimes right. you don't you can't do things, everything and, and 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 because you also have to protect yourself. But going back to, as as to the conversation of of, of tourism, uh, that's part of, of of tourism. And then you have the the typical tourism that goes to the beach or to cultural areas in the in the in the middle of the country, which is like 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 the oldest part of Mexico where independence movement started and, and it's a beautiful thing it's a beautiful architecture you have people go there or going to north to the to the copper mm-hmm. you have those expeditions of people and that is up too is is up and, and and the government has done a good job trying to protect those areas from organized crime i don't know if they negotiate i didn't say that uh, but i did negotiate <laughs> 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 or they say like you know yeah. If these people don't come, there's not going to be anything for anyone, for anyone. Yeah. And the, the, yeah, behave themselves and put them in check. Yeah. I mean, if you want, we, we want tourists coming to Mexico and spend their dollars from the U.S. to keep our you, our businesses running. If you want to milk the cow and drive yeah. the cow, do it. Do it. We, yeah. We have the cow in, in, in a different way, but in, in and it's not only Mexican organized crime in in, in the southeast, in 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 the Rivera Maya, in Cancun, in those areas. You have the Russian mafia. You have the Romanian mafia. You have a lot of Eastern European, of course, oh, yeah. a lot of Eastern European. They specialize in different things. Eastern European uh, 
uh, organized crime loves to deal with with with, uh, with the human trafficking and and uh, ramming ramming jewelry to buy to to steal watches or jewelry. Uh, that's what they like, and others like. Uh, Others don't want to be, you know, they, they want, they don't want to have their hands dirty and they just go to cybersecurity because with one, with one click, you steal millions. And, uh, and that's the safest. That's why bank robbery is, is at the lowest levels ever because what you go to the bank, to, to, to the bank teller and you want, how much do you get? A thousand dollars? You expose your, yourself to a, to a life in prison. Not worth it. Not worth it anymore. Not worth it anymore. So uh, you go to well build condos on the beach and build a resort yeah. for money. The worst part is that you, you can find in the in the dark web or in the open sources, uh, you know, uh, two hundred dollar courses for fourteen year olds years old to become hackers. And wow. there's yeah, you can do about that. Bigger money, especially your ransoms. Especially if those guys are reckless, if they're brave enough and they think they can do everything. But hopefully. And, and I'm sure uh, a lot of there's a lot of cooperation between countries in terms of uh, um, cybersecurity and hacking and things like that. And a lot of uh, uh, sites are monitored by by uh, by governments, so it's not that difficult to to catch those guys if they do big things. Because we've heard, I, I monitor a lot the the European the Europol, and there's a lot of, of uh, news about taking down. Uh, uh, illegal, illegal casinos, online casinos, illegal hackers, illegal, illegal traders of, of, of cryptocurrency and things like that. So they, they, they are monitoring things. And, and as, at least in, in, in Mexico, even pornography is, is, is monitored. Probably not, not in your house, but, um, us, the ones in the industry, in, in the security industry, if, if, if someone at the company, uh, starts, uh, you know, uh, surfing or, or looking at, at pornography, especially child pornography. We have the systems to, uh, to have this alarm that somebody's looking at, 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 at very suspicious, uh, uh, websites. We have to, uh, we have to call the police immediately, even if it's our employee. We are, oh, we have to, that because they, we know that they monitor that. And if they come and, and the, if the cyber police comes to the office and they start conducting an audit and they find something that we didn't report, they close down our company. So we have to be the first ones to say, we have to talk to our employee. And I say like, I'm sorry, we're not going down because of your problems in the head. Uh, we have to report this and, and you're going to be on your own. You're going to be on your own. Probably we provide a little, we provide psychological help to them. But the, the legal the legal procedure is on it's on the wrong because because uh, you don't do that you don't do that right you you shouldn't do that at all and and that's that's the way it works that's the way it works and we have to we have to sell we have to live by what we sell ethics values uh, good behavior that's 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 the, what 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 the industry is because we are an extension of of law enforcement somehow yeah. That makes sense. And for the, the audience joining us, uh, we have Hector Robles, who's the president of First Call in Mexico. Have, Hector and I have known each other for several years now. And uh, Hector has been in the industry for how many years have you been in the private sector security, Hector? Well, the private security industry, I've been here only for the last eight and a half years. But in the, in the security industry, I've been in the industry for since 1999 when I when I started working for 
a French company called Matra Communication, uh, and they sold PMR, um, a professional mobile radio communication, cellular radio communication for defense and security forces. They sold uh, huge uh, radio communication uh, networks to the to a lot of European countries, but those that network is special because it's, it's fully encrypted end to end, end to end. There's no way you can grab. I can give you the frequency and give you a lot of information, but you can probably find the sound, but to, to, to decode that, it's going to be probably impossible because the, the code changes, changes every certain hours. And that network was sold to the Mexican, to the Mexican government. So I was working in Spain for the Mexican Exim Bank. I was, uh, on a, on an international, on an international, uh, assignment for two years in, in Madrid. Wow. Where I, wow. Where I lived for three and a half years. And, uh, I came back to work again. There's a French company, and, but they are part of, uh, of the, of what is now Airbus, Airbus, the, the, the plane mm -hmm. manufacturer, but Airbus has a lot of, uh, a lot of different business units. One is satellites. One is, They're part, part of Arian, the, the European NASA, let's call it like that. They build satellites and they build secure land communications as well. And, and planes. So I worked for them for seven and a half years. That's where I started. They are then selling, selling and developing business. Uh, I worked a lot, a lot with, with government and with the intelligence agencies, um, with those networks. And then I worked for, uh, for, uh, three Israeli, um, Companies, one in the tele, in the interoperability sector, which is telecommunications as well, is, is, uh, you know, connecting different networks with different protocols. I work for another one for, for physical security to protect, uh, critical infrastructure with, you know, uh, um, you know, license plate recognition, fingerprints and things like that. And another one with, uh, with the next, uh, with a former director of the Mossad for an intelligent, for the intelligence, uh, intelligence, uh, Software for OSINT and, and fusion centers as well, NSA type of thing, fusion centers. So that's where I got a lot of, uh, we had to analyze different, uh, different things that were coming up. Like I remember 13 years ago, probably in there or, or Snapchat because it was insecure because of the, the time when you shared a, a, a picture, it lasted only for, for, for 24 hours. So there was a lot of, uh, Uh, of uh, sex, sexting or, or sending, you know, uh, uh, mm -hmm. pictures and, and we had to monitor that. We had to analyze it in Tinder as well, because from Tinder, you, you went to Facebook from base, from Facebook to, uh, WhatsApp or WeChat or, or text messaging. And from there to a nice, uh, a nice date. And from there, everything went violent. So there were a lot of, of, mm. of, of of things with prostitution and, and even people get, get getting killed because of the trusting their, their wrong person. But, uh, that's what I did. And then, uh, then I landed, uh, a job with, uh, because of my, because of my sales and, and the sales and, and business development, uh, you know, um, experience. Well, I used to work for Johnson medical and, G and general electric as well. I, I worked for them as well in the healthcare industry, which, which I like, I like very much. But, uh, I, you know, I'm not an operational person. I've never been, um, uh, an EP agent myself. Uh, I was hired by Steel International. You know, that company now is called First Call, Steel International or, or Steel Foundation. Many people knew it because, 
still uh, back in, 19, in the 90s privatized uh, um, executive security. Uh, they, pro mm -hmm. they protected a lot of uh, a lot of, uh, of government officials from other countries and, 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 and I think one or two presidents. Uh, so they worked a lot with the, with the State Department. And uh, that's why, that's how um, Steel got very, very big working in the Middle East, working in, in Asia, working in the US, working in, 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 uh, in, in and the, but, but the, uh, after leaving the, the, the Middle East because of political reasons, Well, the next war, if you want to call it like that, or, or, or the next disaster economy, the way I call it, was Latin America. So they, 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 they landed in, in, in Mexico in, back in 2004. Okay. Uh, only with the GPS monitoring. They wanted to compete with OnStar. And I think they did a pretty good job because uh, OnStar is good, it's good, but it's only road assistance. And um, first call provided emergency response and GPS monitoring, but foc focusing on, on, on security, especially, you know, for, for mm. expat, a lot of expats, nationals, uh, you know, top executives. Now it's, it has gone to duty of care. There are companies that they have extended the, the emergency response to uh, 15,000 employees of, of the company. We have 55, we have a GSOC in Mexico City, Um, and we provide service, the emergency response over the phone and, 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 uh, and we respond mm. teams for, to about 55,000, users. We don't get 55,000 calls a day. Of course not. Probably we get in a, in a peaceful day, 150 in a bad day, like when there are earthquakes in Mexico City or hurricanes or things like that, maybe 280, 30 calls. And then we, we have to, uh, Managed, we are a crisis management and executive protection company. We do a lot of executive protection investigations as well. Uh, we do a lot of, um, as I said, GPS monitoring, emergency response investigations, vulnerability assessments, uh, risk assessments, and, and that's 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 what we do. And and, uh, and we changed the name in 2017 because we the our. Our um, corporate investigation services grew so much that from mm. uh, the little boy in, in our in, in our company, it grew to be the rich brother, huge, and it was it was sold to uh, to uh, private banking. Well, part of it, um, mm -hmm. uh, and then um, and then and now it's I think it's owned by Diligent, a huge chunk by by Diligent. You know these private bankers they buy the. The company yeah. for five years, they develop, they develop it and they go to the place where they want it and then they just sell it. And that's what, that's what, that's what, that's, that's where we are. That's why we have to change the name to First Call because the name was sold to also to, uh, to them because they didn't want to confuse the, the, the clients with this still corporate security services and still corporate investigation services, which was, uh, you know, doing a lot of due diligence and investigations and, and, uh, and still doesn't exist anymore, do they? Still, as a name, no, it doesn't exist okay. anymore. We're trying to get back the name. We're trying oh, to get yeah. back the name because Diligent bought the company uh, two or three years ago from that. Oh. For, from okay. what we had, from what we still had, and uh, and from the private bankers, and uh, we're trying to get it back. Uh, you, we don't want at, at least we want to own the name even if we don't change the name because that's legacy, and we're proud of the name, and we sure. lose it at some point. So we are trying to get it back. But at the moment, we use first call, and first call was 
the name of a product. The, the, at the beginning, oh. when, when, when Steel went to Mexico with, with GPS monitoring and emergency respo response, the name of the, that product was uh, Global Rapid Response, GRR. But it was too long. So, uh, they say in, in this, you know, brainstorming session, we say, well, we want everyone, we want our clients to be first to call. And they say, well, what's the, why don't we call this service instead of GR, GRR first call? And then a lot, ah, of, a lot makes of, sense. a lot of people, um, in the, in, in, in Mexico, in many places, new first call because of this yeah. service. And, uh, we decided it was well known in the industry. And, um, and that's why we, we use that name now, first call. Corporate. Oh, okay. That makes more sense now. I'm like, why do they call it first call? And then now it makes sense. Okay. Now, now you know. <laughs> now I know the history behind Steel Foundation, uh, first call. Then you guys, it sounds like you guys are re working on rebranding and relaunching the legacy, uh, the name of it, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Back in the 80s and the 90s, I mean, Steel Foundation was a huge firm, huge. They had many, many. Uh, embassy contracts, all kinds of stuff. They they were a big player. Yeah, a big player, and they protected a lot of uh, a lot of uh, um, I would say communities in um, um, at risk. Yeah, so that's the way it started, and and also uh, temples as well, synagogues, and and different places that mm -hmm. for some reason are vulnerable. I, I would say vulnerable communities. Uh, LGBTQI and blah blah blah. And this sure. way, that's the way it, it is. It is started still uh, protecting, okay. protecting those uh, uh, places. If you remember this, this, this uh, film, Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah, yeah, remember that movie. Uh, that that movie where people went to see what kind of treatment they could get, and, and because there was no treatment. But you know, the if today. We are in this situation with the transgender and this and that, and we don't know what to call and how to behave because of that. Imagine back in the in the nineties. Mm. Back in the nineties, uh, it was even worse and hate crimes and things like that. So uh, sure, we, right. we were protecting those places, and that's the, the connection uh, with, with the government. And from there, oh, gotcha. protecting temples, you know. Uh, beliefs, you know, religions and things like that. And from Got that, it. we moved to executive protection and different things. And, and, and that's why, that's why, uh, still got so, got so big. And, you know, there were, of course, you have to make it work. And the people who were still uh, at that time were very good. And Ken, Ken Cart's still there, still CEO of the, of the company. But uh, oh, wow. now we only focus on, on, on Latin America and in the U.S. We are not as present in other countries with offices, not at all anymore. Uh, because executive protection is, is a very, I would say it's, it's a profitable, profitable industry, but it has not come to play to a, to, to a point where, where anyone can be a protector. Yeah, true. Good point. Really good point. You can be a protector if you take a, a you know, uh, that's why we're working a lot with, uh, with, uh, with, uh, board of, uh, executive protection professionals, the BEPP to create the standard and, 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 I'm participating in, in the working group and I'm glad to do that because we need, uh, in my point of view, we need it because we need, we need to see, we need to follow the steps of, of what is done in Europe. You cannot be an executive protection agent if you don't have the certification from the government. Otherwise you just have any, any kind of, you, you can't even be in the gates and guard. You can't be a guard 
protecting a building if you don't have that certification from the government? Because you have- well, here's a question. Um, the the questions I hear out there is um, is there is there a desire for organizations to want to federalize executive protection? Is that the goal of BEEP? I know a few people that are on the board on you know, and the, the, goal, I, the BEEP is to have a, at least a minimum standard. It's not going to be the only standard, but but what we, what we're trying to do is to have the ANSI recognition. So at least you go through to, through that course. You certify, and, and if you wanna, if you wanna train them in a lot more, like you have your lead low way of things, you have that ANSI, and then you start working on on the way you do things. But there's a minimum standard of, of like a, a level level play, playing field for everyone, and I think that's that's I think that's good because it, it, even even foreigners can 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 take it. It's not that we're gonna work in the U.S. It's just that. Well, I know I know as is was questioning. Beep, and there's a little thing going on between beep and as is about what what are you guys doing? We already do this. What what happened? with do you know anything about that background with as is and beep? Or I'm not sure what, what happened from from the noise is that yeah yeah as, well as is thought they had they had the proprietary rights if that's the way you call it to create that standard, but they never created the standard. They create certifications. But that ah, so as is is known for certifications. Well, certificate there's just the certifications, it's the CPP and the PSC mm-hmm. and the APP, and ASIS is good as well as I, uh, IFPO. I, I'm the president of, of of the. By the way, I'm the president of the of the Mexico chapter of IFPO. Okay. And uh, we all. Want, I'm, want, I'm just trying to educate the audience that really don't know because everybody on LinkedIn has probably seen, you know, they see as is out there, they see beep, and those guys doing their thing. And they go, "What is this?" Because I, I hear some confusion on. Are they trying to federalize this with the federal government? What are they trying to do? They, there's some confusion out there. Just trying to clear that confusion. Well, well, there may be a confusion because people are used to ASIS or IFPO or other companies that help you go through courses in executive protection. Uh, but where we, as I said, everyone has their own way of doing things. So what they train you for is to be an executive protection agent, I guess, in their way they do things because they have a secret service background or a state department background or a, or a Navy SEAL background or special forces background. And they, they all see things differently. They attack things differently, maybe. At, at some point, maybe you overlap. Maybe you do that, uh, sure. like any company. But what, what, what is what the purpose is to have just one single minimum minimum requirement for everyone. And from there, if you have your own company and you want to train more people, or you have your training academy. Well, you have to comply with ANSI, and then the ch- the cherry on top is your know how. But each state has a different requirement for regulation. So how do you do that nationwide? I think make it legal. Uh, well, ANSI, uh, ANSI is, is is the one giving us the guidance to create mm. it at the national level because ANSI has like you have like ISO, like the ISO nine thousand mm. or different international standards for manufacturing, right? Manufacturing or for for whatever you want. Uh, then ANSI is going to give you the, the, it's going to guide us on what to have this at the national level. Because mm. it's national, so uh, without their approval, then this, this is not going to happen. So that's go- that's why it's going to take a long time. It's, this is not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen probably next year. 
probably in a couple of years when, because there's a lot of, of, of going back and forth with the tech, with, with, you know, analyzing different documents, giving your, 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 your opinions or your qualified opinions. It is not about grammar. It's not about grammar or you wrote this bad or this is a coma here. No, it's about the, 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 the deep thoughts of, of, of the process, not just in the surface. It's, it, it has taken a, a long time. That's why there's a working group and a technical group. And, and, and then everything has to be sent to ANSI and then they have to tell you, it's, it's just like having your thesis revised by your, by your professor. You're not going to get a Harvard degree just because you wrote a thesis. You need somebody to correct and somebody to tell you this is what this is what you're going to get. And ANSI is is, is doing that. Are what we, is ANSI? What is that? I don't. ANSI, I never heard of them before until ANSI the uh, is it, as is and deep. We're going at it with each other about think, and the ANSI is the one given the certification. But what what is ANSI? ANSI what what I, do they do? What ANSI is? Okay. Yes, I'm just curious. ANSI is the American National Standard Institute. So American Standard Institute. So they're a standardization organization. Yes. For example, when I work for all these elevators, I'm going to give you a quick example of that. When okay. I work for all these elevators, um, the situation was that we could install elevators in Mexico under a different, under a different standard. But if we wanted to install um, uh, elevators or escalators or travelators in the U.S., we had to comply with ANSI standards, which are a lot higher than anywhere in the world. I can tell you, and how do I know this? Because probably I'm going to give you a number. Probably uh, 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 an elevator can cost. I'm going to give you a random number: twenty-five thousand dollars for a for an elevator for five or seven people for a three, four, five-story building. That would cost. Maybe $25,000. In the US, because of ANSI, that costs $50,000 because you have to comply with a lot of, you know, uh, safety regulations, uh, special phone for or button to, to communicate with the fire engine, with the police, with the building administration, with the building security. There's a lot of things that you comply with ANSI. That's why ANSI is so important at the US level. That's why we're looking for the ANSI because it's the American National Standard Institute. It's like the, Ameri the, the, the U.S. version of the ISO. ISO is International Standard Organization. ANSI is, is, is American standard. That's why we're looking for that. And now I remember, I kind of remember the release of Beat coming out and then everybody's like, with as is, like, well, we already have a standardization with as is. How are we supposed to go above as is now? Because there's, and now you make me clarify that with uh, their certification. They give certifications. Certifications, but it's not, it's, it's not ANSI. And that's why also, and for the same reason you have, uh, you have, uh, uh, IFPO. And for, uh, yeah, for the same sure. reason you have ATAP. And for the same reason, you have so many organizations. <laughs> you have all these different organizations who give you certifications. <laughs> certifications. And, and if you want uh, okay. certification, you train your people. And uh, many companies okay. do it for, for recruitment purposes. They create a Got course. It. Everyone goes there. And the best in the, in, in the course get a job. Yeah. And, and that's okay. It's, 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 it's right. I mean, I'm not saying that you shouldn't pursue... Uh, a proper way of life, but uh, but what is is different? What 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 what? Uh, the well, here's a question for you. I have a bachelor's degree in criminology from a state university in Oregon. Mm -hmm. I have a Marine Corps background. I'm a Marine Corps veteran. 
But if I'm not ANSI sort of legit, I'm not legit. And I'm just asking for purposes of a debate. Exactly. And 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 if you're and if you're a lawyer in Texas, <laughs> you're, you're going to need to pass the bar in California or be ready yeah. to play the bar in California. Right. Right. And that's why in the industry we need a, a permit, uh, a you know security permit from uh, license in in every state to operate. Right. Exactly. Totally true. I totally agree with that. I, I'm not against, you know, raising the level of standard. I mean, I've seen the industry change dramatically in the last, since COVID. People just don't want to work out there. The laziness, everybody wants $100 an hour in the U.S. And it's like, that's the bill rate for a prime contract, $100 an hour. And I see a sense of laziness in the United States. And we got a younger generation of exec protection agents coming in the industry. And there has to be something to hold a standard to for excellence, perform for those clients. And I get that. I'm not opposed to it. And it is not a matter, a matter of not recognizing that you are, uh, uh, you know, special forces or you were in the special forces. I mean, we have everyone, you know, thanks everyone for their service because and 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 and, and i always say that because well protecting the, the the us is protecting a huge chunk of the world and 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 i thank them for that and i love when they recognize them and and i love when 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 uh, green beret uh, says that to a uh, special forces thank you for your service brother and and because i've never been, been at war i'm not i'm, I'm as i said i'm not a, an operational person i haven't been ever been an ap agent i was hired mm. because of my business Acumen. Development background, right? Development background, because I the way I managed companies before, and, and and that was what 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 still wanted at the time wanted to grow, wanted to yeah. change the business model, and I helped them there. They already had the standards, they already had they were like a mature mature mm-hmm. company, but in, in in Mexico they wanted to grow the business more and change more from 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 a from a uh, event services to ongoing fixed contracts. And that's what we do. And it took us three years to change our, nice. re- our revenue model to be more wow. reliable, to be more reliable. And that changes impressive because you have to have more people. You have to show fortune 500 or fortune 5,000 or whatever index you want to call. We have to show yeah. that we were able to do that because we, mm. in, in, in first call or for, for King Kurtz, we could be as Mexican as we wanted outside the company, but inside the company, we had to behave like everybody else anywhere in the world for steel. And that was the way steel had operated for so many years. So we know regulations in the US, we, we know the legal framework, we know different things, we are trained in, in different things. Uh, I mean, all the way from, from uh, a, a typical uh, situational awareness uh, training course, to, to, you know, uh, uh, workplace violence, which is a lot what we do still in doing EOS or, or harassment mm-hmm. or different things. You know, we need to know that because we know we, we have to behave the way our headquarters behave. That's what we have to do. 